All right, so hopefully you're there in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Now, over the past five chapters of 1 Peter, as we've been working our way through a verse at a time through the, this letter written by Peter, Peter has given us really a, a, an expansive view of life. He takes a look um, at what it means to be a Christian, what a, a Christian will experience as they're following the Lord. And he speaks, if you remember way back in chapter one, to these exiles, these people that are citizens of heaven, but are still living on earth, just like us. Those of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus, your citizenship has been transferred from this kingdom of earth into this heavenly kingdom. But we're not there yet. So instead, we're exiled from our true home, and right now, we're in this in-between place. We're on earth, and we've got a purpose here. But he gives us this, this expansive view of the life of a Christian, and it's really to inspire us. Here's some of the things that we've seen so far in, in 1 Peter. He stretched our understanding of what God has done for us, first of all. The first chapter of 1 Peter just talks about how glorious God is and what Christ has done. And he reinforced our determination to live new lives that are in line with that identity in Christ and our citizenship in heaven. He says, look, if you really are these citizens, then live life that way. Live life like you've been changed. Live life like you've been saved and you're being transformed. He also taught us to be people of hope. That's a big part of, of this letter to Peter. He showed us our role in the family of God as living stones that compose the church. Remember that? He talks about it. We're each one of us having our own little place in this building that God is building with us. He challenged us to submit ourselves to authorities in this world. And he even encouraged us to suffer in this life for the sake of the gospel. He spoke into our closest relationships at home and in the church family. And he encouraged us to leave sin behind and fix our eyes on the glory of Jesus that will one day be revealed. All right, and today we're gonna to see that Peter's gonna stretch that farther. He's going to call us to be humble people of faith, especially when the struggles and the worries and the anxieties of life threaten to overwhelm us. All right? Now, it's been a difficult year. It just has. We've been in the middle of a global pandemic. So it's not just for us personally, but for the world. On top of all the usual hard parts of life, right? Life has still happened in this past year. People have moved. People have gotten sick. People have gotten healthy. People have had surgeries. People have died. People have been born. Life has continued to go on. A lot of things have happened. But it's been a hard year. Now, honestly, as a church family, as the people that are here today, I know that many of you have gone through some really hard things in life. But as far as the pandemic is concerned, honestly, we've had it a lot better than a lot of people in this world. There's a lot of people and places all over this planet that have severely suffered. Now, that's not to minimize what we've experienced, but we know that, honestly, we've had it better than many have. Now, all people have certain basic needs, things like food and water and shelter. Everybody needs that. And everybody has basic desires for safety and security in their life. 
And the pandemic has threatened a lot of those structures that usually provide stability for these things in our lives, and we feel it. We should. This has rattled a lot of people. Having to change what they do and how they do things in life has been scary. It's been frustrating. It's been discouraging, and it seems like it just stretched on and on and on and on and on. I just came back from Tennessee where COVID was only a few months long and it was upsetting for them. That's how they view it because it all got hit, right? But for us in California, it has stretched on and on and on and on. There's, there's some different things that people have experienced, but we feel it. But it does remind us that the world's fragile. Nothing is guaranteed in our lives. And when we get overwhelmed with that thought, whoa, the world is fragile. What if there's another pandemic? What if some other tragedy happens? How does this, you know, go on? I just read, maybe you have kept up with the news, but just read about this, this condo in Florida that collapsed in the middle of the night a couple nights ago. It's like, how fast can everything change? Very quickly. You know what that's like. You feel fine one minute and the next minute, something's wrong with my body. You go to the doctor, ah, I've got a major problem. Things happen quickly. That's the way it works in life. And things can get scary in such a way that fear just grips us and grips our hearts. Now, as Christians, we understand that all that we see around the world and the struggle and the suffering and all of that that we see, it's not all there is. We realize that this earth is temporary. We realize that the promises that Jesus made to us that said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and this place is gonna be the way you think a place should be. It's gonna be a place with no suffering and with no sorrow and no fear and all of that. I'm going to make things the way I intended. I'm going to reestablish things. I'm gonna make all things new. This earth, this planet, these people, these bodies, we're fallen, we're broken. But there's a day coming that things are going to be right. And the God who created this world has revealed himself to us in various ways and spoken to us through his people. And in doing so, he has taught us about himself and given us a vision for the future that supersedes the fear that confronts us in this life. And that's why what we're going to look at here with these two verses is about faith for the future. Now, it's faith for right now as well, but it's faith that sets you up in such a way that your life is informed by the future that God has for us. All right, so let's read these two verses. And I'll tell you right now, if, if you're a person who underlines verses in your Bible, which you should be, it's always good to mark the things that you read that really stand out at you. Because what I find is a lot of times when I go through my Bible, whether it's digitally or in paper, I see those verses underlined. I see those little markings and notes that I've made. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when I first read that or that hit me this way. Or, oh, this one's like underlined, triple underlined, marked, highlighted, scribbled upon. Like that, this matters. This is one of those verses for me, okay? Verse six and seven of 1 Peter chapter five. It says this, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, 
I'm going to give you two tools today for coping with the worries of life. And both of those tools are centered on faith. All right, faith. The first one is having faith in his plans. And if you're following along and taking notes, um, and if you're doing it on the app and filling in the blank, the first fill in the blank says, faith in God's plans for us will carry us through life. Faith in God's plans for us will carry us through life. Okay? The first thing that we see here in verse six is he says that we want to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he might exalt you. At the proper time. God knows what the proper time is for things. Now, that's a hard truth to handle for us because most of the time in our lives, we are pretty confident that we know the proper time, that we know when God should act, that we know how things should unfold, that we know what needs to happen next. And a lot of times that doesn't seem to line up with God. If God is all powerful, which we believe he is, and God is able to do anything and everything. And there's often times where we pray to God, hey, where are you God? Because the proper time was about five minutes ago and you haven't done it yet. What's happening? Why hasn't it happened? What are you, what are you waiting on? What are you trying to do? But God knows the proper time. He's God. You're not. And we have to trust him in that. We believe that God is all-knowing and all-powerful. In fact, um, one of the, the stories that's recorded in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1, when an angel appears to Mary, Mary who is going to carry Jesus as the mother of Jesus, the angel appears to Mary and starts describing to Mary, hey, this is what's going to happen next. And most of you probably know this story of how that all worked. And the angel is, is passing on information that's pretty radical information. In fact, the angel tells her something that is going to happen with her that's never happened and will never happen again in the history of the world. And what does the angel says? The angel says, look, this is the way it's going to work. I understand that you're a virgin and you've never known a man and you're not going to. What's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is just going to come upon you and all of a sudden you're going to be pregnant. And that's not how it works. And Mary knows that. But Mary hears that and she's like, what? How is this going to work? And here's what the angel says in Luke 1.37. The angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now for the angel, the angel's like, well, yeah. I mean, I live at, my residence is up in heaven. I see this all the time. I know what God does. <laughs> Nothing's impossible with God. But for Mary, she's like, uh, that sounds impossible. That's, that's how we are. But, but nothing is, we just sang about it in that song, nothing is impossible with God. Now, trusting that this is true and that he really is in control of his plans requires humility. That's why he says at the very beginning of that verse, humble yourself. Because it's not easy for us to believe that. Because like I said, we're positive we know the right plan. We're certain that we can fix that for God. God, if I had your power, I could fix this right now. I don't have to wait for anything. I don't have to wait for heaven for that. Right now. We know, we think we know, but we have to trust that he really is in control 
and that he knows what he is doing. We think he's forgotten us. We think he must be distracted, that he can't possibly see what we see. But when, and when we're worried, it seems more reasonable to trust in our own plans than in his, and it's not. That's our fear talking, not faith. Now, the God who created this universe out of nothing, who designed and orchestrated every molecule of nature, who holds it all together, who can, as the Bible tells us, can number the hairs on your heads. That's easier for some than others. And the grains of sand on the beach or the stars in the heavens. His plans are greater than our plans. Right? That's believable. If you can believe this first part, that God is the one who actually created these things, then it's not a huge jump to say, okay, then I think his plans are greater than our plans. And God has always promised his people that he would be with them and never lose them or lose track of them. In the, in the Old Testament, back in, um, well, there's, there's several books that cover this time period, but one of the things that happened after the people of God, the, the nation of Israel, forgot about God and kind of left them behind. And when you go through the Old Testament, you see this cycle over and over again of the people uh, follow God and they, they do what God has called them to do and they worship him as they're supposed to and then they ditch it all and they kind of do their own thing and run their own ways until their kids and their kids' kids forget all about God and then destruction happens and then they come back to God and then he builds them up again for a couple generations and then they forget about him and then they go back their other way and they back and forth, back and forth. Well, in one of those times, um, the people of Israel were taken into captivity by the nation of Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and Jerusalem itself, the capital city of Israel, fell in 586 BC. And what happened was Nebuchadnezzar basically came in and conquered the city, but he didn't take everybody in, into exile at that point. What he did is he kind of scooped up all the leadership. He took the kings, he took the, the uh, scribes, he took some of the priests and the, the leadership really of the nation. And he said, I'm just gonna take this chunk of you and I'm gonna go and, and take you back to Babylon with me. And you're gonna be in exile for a while. You're not gonna be able to be uh, where you belong in your own nation. That was part of the way he was overthrowing this particular city. But during that time, God sent one of his prophets, the prophet Jeremiah, to speak to the people. And God gave Jeremiah a word, a prophetic word for the people. And this is what he says. And you, you may be familiar with this verse, but I just wanted you to know the context of what was happening. Stuff was bad at this point when this verse comes out. All right, The leadership has been taken out of your, your country. You're wandering, trying to figure out what's going to happen next. This is where this verse comes. It's Jeremiah 29 11 to 13. And here's what it says. For I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking to his people. Declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now that promise to God's people was in a dark place at a hard time. But what does he say? say? He says, look, I know the plans that I've got and they're good plans and I've got it squared away. And in fact, you feel like there's no future and there's no hope, but I've got a future for you 
and I have hope and I'm not going to leave you behind. And that promise remains for us today. Yeah, it was first spoken a very, very, very long time ago to God's people, but we're still God's people. We're still part of that family of God. And if you trust in Jesus as your savior for eternity, trust in his plans for you in this life as well. Is God good? Yes. And if he is good, then a good God we know would have good plans. So that's the first thing that we need to do is we need to have faith in his plans. All right, secondly, the second tool is that we need to have faith in his care. Faith in his care. Faith in our father's care for us will carry us through anxiety. Let me say that again. Faith in our father's care for us will carry us through anxiety. That's what the verse says. Let's read it again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. So not only does God have a plan for you, he cares for you within that plan. You aren't just a a pawn in some giant cosmic scheme. Because when we try to conceptualize eternity or an eternal God in our brains, we can't do it. We're finite. And when you try to consider and picture an infinite God, a God who is not finite and limited like we are, it just makes our head hurt. And so when we hear a verse like this, we're like, okay, God loves, or or John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Well, that's really big. And I'm a very small person in a great big world. There's 7 billion of us around here. How is it that God sees me? I'm smaller than an ant to God. But, but that's not what we find out. That's not the God that, we, that is revealed in the Bible. Instead, we have a very personal God that actually cares about his creation and cares about the individual souls that have ever lived and will ever live on this planet. You're not just this pawn. You're not a, a, a foot soldier in a general's battle plan where he's like, well, I just move that crowd of people there and this crowd over here and I'll make them do that and attack over here. We lose a few, doesn't matter. They're just people. You know, I'm just moving them around. That's not it. You're not disposable. He loves us like a father should. Listen to what this says in, in Romans chapter eight, verses 35 to 39. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, see what's happening here. The the people were writing, they were saying, gosh, we're just like these sheep that are being slaughtered. Like we try to follow God and all, all the bad stuff happens to us. What does he say? He says, no. In all these things, even the struggles, even the difficulties, even the hard places, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we know 
that Jesus loves us and has a plan for our future, we can anchor our faith in him. If you really know that this God loves you and has something for you, you can anchor your faith in him. Jeremiah 17, seven to eight also says this, blessed is the man, and we can add woman in there. Blessed is the man and woman who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. What's that image? He says, look, you can be a person who puts your faith in God, this God of the universe who can lead you and guide you and provide for you, that has a plan for you, that loves you, that cares for you. And if you can live that way and drive those deep faith roots down, even if the heat comes, and it's gonna come, because that's the way life works, when the heat comes, you won't wither. You'll be exactly the person God is making you to be. And it allows us to fight off the fear, the discouragement and the worry that happens in life. Because here's what we know about life. Everyone experiences stress. Everybody. Now, some people handle stress better than other people. Some people have more stress than other people. But if you live on earth, you're gonna experience stress. Life is stressful. Could be our health, could be our finances. It's almost always relationships. Could be work. There's, there's a whole host of things that create stress in our lives. But anxiety results when stresses aren't relieved or dealt with. We all have stress. But when we don't handle our stress or deal with our stress or fix the stressors in our lives, over time that builds up to a spot where it, it leads us into anxiety. And if anxiety continues to grow and swell in our lives, ultimately what it does is it begins to eat away at the ability of our mind, body, and soul to deal with the stresses. And eventually, I'm, I'm no doctor, um, but eventually, I'll tell you some of, of what I know about this, our adrenal system, which is the, the part of our, our body which helps us handle temporary stresses, you know, when you get, into, you, you get spooked in the hallway or something, you're, ah, that, that's your adrenal system kicking in, adrenaline, it's a little boost of adrenaline, whoa, what's going on? How's that happening? I have a good story about being scared in a hallway um, once at my own house, but I'm gonna save that one for a different time because I want you to get the whole story and I don't have time for it today. But eventually what happens is if, if we continue with that nonstop stress, we begin to break down our adrenal system. It just gets exhausted. It just gets worn out. And we experience the physical responses of that taking place in our bodies. Things like anxiety attacks or panic attacks heart attacks, autoimmune issues, nervous breakdowns. There's all kinds of stuff that happens when your adrenal system just gets exhausted and you get overwhelmed and worn out. And those who regularly deal with those kinds of things, 
are actually in an ongoing battle against fear and vulnerability. That's what causes those things. It ultimately comes back down to fear and the fear of, is this stress going to be taken care of? Can I deal with this? What's going to happen next? For some, somebody who's struggling with that, there's a lot of what-if questions that run through their mind all the time. And, and that kind of anxiety can be debilitating for us because your body even starts breaking down. Things don't even work right physically in your heart, in your mind. And it can paralyze us, freeze us in its grip, and it really causes us in many cases to just even step out of life. Some people that really struggle with anxiety and worry, they can't even, it's, it's a big step to even walk out of the house to come to church or walk out of the house in the backyard because who knows what might happen. There's a lot of things that can take place there. And what we know, sadly, is that in this world right now, the world around us, your family members, your, your fellow churchgoers, your classmates, your neighbors, the modern world is drowning in anxiety. You've probably heard quite a bit about it because there's a lot happening. Psychiatrists and psychologists and counseling services have declared that we have a mental health crisis in the United States, especially in the younger generations. All right? Here, here's a few little stats for you. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, 31.1% of U.S. adults will experience what they call any anxiety disorder in their lives. 31%. It's one out of three. This includes, that, that any anxiety disorder, includes panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, agoraphobia, specific phobia, social anxiety disorder, which is a social phobia, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and separation anxiety disorder. These are heavy things that really impact people's lives and their hearts. And unfortunately, the number seems to be growing. So that was their estimation from a year, a year ago. But it seems to be growing. And colleges have seen a dramatic increase in cases of anxiety and depression disorders. Some of the reasons that they cite for this, so it, picture yourself, maybe you are still, or you're about in college or going to college soon, um, or think back to maybe the, those, that period of life, time, ages for you. But here's some of the reasons that they say that so many college-age students are feeling this. Number one, they say it's the pressures to succeed, whether it's pressures that they put on themselves or the pressures that they feel like the rest of the world's putting on them. They're like, oh my gosh, I gotta succeed. I gotta go to college. I gotta figure something out or I gotta go get a job. I gotta figure out a career. They've got pressures to succeed, financial worries. If you haven't priced out college lately, don't. <laughs> it's expensive, all right? And they feel that too. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm going into debt. <laughs> Big debt. Their uncertainty about career path. What if I make the wrong decision? What if that's not really what I wanna do for my whole life? <gasps> pressure. And you know what one of the other ones is that's very big, and you probably know this one? Social media use. And why is that? Because of the unrealistic comparisons with fake lives. They're seeing this, this mirage of what all the other people their age are doing and experiencing and the way they're living life and how it's so easy for them, and they're the only ones with the problem. So there's a lot of pressure. But regardless of the source, 
Anxiety left undealt with is a crippling problem and it can destroy somebody's life. Now, that's not the best thing to tell somebody who's dealing with anxiety because that increases their anxiety. They already know that things aren't right. (laughs) Okay, but if you don't understand it, you need to know that. But if it's not addressed, it can become a downward spiral. And and listen, if, if that's you or someone that you love, listen, a life of suffering from anxiety isn't what God has for you. It's not. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And it doesn't have to be this way. And God can come and break that cycle in your life. And one of the primary solutions, the solution that we see here in this, pa- this passage, is that growing in faith heals that in you. Now, there are many other good treatments that can be helpful and often needed and good. I'm not saying you shouldn't continue to go to counseling or maybe you even need medication for anxiety and some of those things. There's a lot of other great treatments that, that are important. But a permanent solution, a healing solution is in growing in faith. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus experienced anxiety. Jesus did. And he's Jesus. I shouldn't have to tell you, he's perfect. He was sinless. But guess what? He was living in an imperfect world with a lot of stresses and a lot of pressures and a lot of worries. And on top of that, he came to a spot. If you want to go back this week and read about the time that he spent in the garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross, guess what? It takes a lot of stress and anxiety to cause you to sweat blood. That's what Jesus went through. He experienced that stress. And if he hadn't ever experienced anxiety or stress, he wouldn't have been human. But he did and he is. He never told us not to experience stress. He simply taught us to put our faith in God. To put our faith in God. And if you struggle with anxiety, take steps to grow your faith. And here's the thing. If you're struggling with these things, that doesn't mean, oh, I just must be a really lousy Christian. No, you're just throwing more junk on your top, okay? That's not what it is. But as you grow in areas of your faith, no matter how mature you are, how long you've been walking with the Lord, there's still areas of faith that we can always grow in. And there's places that God wants to heal and God wants to change. So build your relationship with the God of the universe who can see every worst case scenario and every best case scenario. A God who's unlimited in every way, a God who's able and capable, a God who cares for you and will never leave you or forsake you. That's what that verse tells us. Cast your anxieties on him. He cares for you. Instead of trying to carry this around yourself, which you can't, because you would have already figured it out. Instead, he says, cast it on to, to, to me. Now, I, I want you to know this. I personally went through a period of high stress years in my life that resulted in a physical, mental, and spiritual battle with anxiety. And they were the, the most difficult and dark years of my life. It was a dark season. 
for my life. And it stretched for a good period of time. But guys, I'm grateful to say God carried me through it. He carried me through it and gave me healing in that area. So if he can do it with me, he can do it with you. Okay? Now, I will also say this. It required some major life changes on my part. But God was with me every step of the way. All the way through it. And my path was exactly what Peter describes here. It's a matter of trading those fears and anxieties for faith and trust in God. And for me, he even zeroed in on different aspects of my life, of places of fear and lack of faith that he showed me, okay, Brett, here, this is a spot where you're not trusting me. And that is what's causing the stress and causing the anxiety and causing the worry. Trust me here. I got a plan for you. I can take care of you. And so what did I have to do? I had to repent and say, all right, Lord, I'm giving you this, my, this area of my life. And then here comes another one. Oh, and this one too. Okay, Lord, let's do it. I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna put my faith here. And then another one. And you get four or five deep into that and you're like, oh my goodness, no wonder I was piled under all this stuff. I basically am walking around trying to be God on earth, thinking I can fix all this, thinking I can carry all this, thinking I can do all these things and coordinate life for me and everybody else around me. But that's not the path. And when we cast our cares on him, it's not a burden for him. He can handle the load. We can't. Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, this is another one of those verses in my Bible that's underlined, circled, highlighted, boom, this is a big one, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, Jesus spoke this to people and he's speaking this to you today. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And by the way, when you're struggling with anxiety and stress all the time, day in, day out, it invades your sleep, you're waking up in the middle of the night, worrying about things, the cold sweat. Oh my gosh, what if, what if, what if? And all that mess, that's labor and it's a heavy burden. But what does he say? Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to tell you the truth. I'm a pastor, but that verse bothered me for years. Because I thought, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about really here, Jesus, but that's not my experience. Following after you has been hard. Go, stepping into areas of ministry have been a heavy yoke, a heavy burden. This has not been easy and restful. That really sounds nice, Jesus, but I'm not living it. But guess what? The problem was, I wasn't living it. It wasn't a problem with his way. The problem was, I thought I was the one supposed to be carrying the yoke. I was the one that was supposed to lift the heavy burdens. I was supposed to be the one to figure it all out and straighten it all out. But instead, he said, no, no, no. I'm the, I'm the big guy. I'm the one who can carry all those things that you're carrying around. Guys, that's the source of your anxiety. That's the source of these panic issues, 
these heavy things, you're trying to carry it. And he says, roll it off. Let me take it. Let me carry it. And that's what he calls you to do, to throw those anxieties on him. Your fears and worries are not bigger than God. He welcomes your concerns and he cares for you. Now, if you, as I finish up here, if you love someone who's struggling in this way, maybe it's not you. Maybe you hear this and you're like, no, actually life's good and it's always been good and it's easy for me. Great, congratulations. But the people around you, many of them don't feel that way. And if you love somebody who's struggling in that way, help them on their journey to grow those deep roots of faith. That's where they're gonna find refreshment. That's where they're gonna find healing. That's where they're gonna find strength. Point them to Jesus. Bring them to church. Pray with them and for them. Show love and compassion, even if you don't understand what they're going through. Encourage them to see God's promises like the verse that we're looking at here today. And um, like another one here that I'll have you turn to, I think we have time for it real quick. Turn over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 31. Um, because this is Jesus speaking directly uh, to the, the issue of worry. And um, starting in verse 22, he says this. It says, and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, They neither sow nor reap. They neither have storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor to be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. What does Jesus teach us when it comes to anxiety and to worry? He says, seek God. Grow in faith in God. Put your focus on him and do not worry. Faith overcomes fear and results in peace. Faith overcomes fear and results in peace. And faith isn't just foolish, wishful thinking. Faith is trust that looks beyond the circumstance to the God of the heaven and earth who has loving plans for our future. He wants to give you peace. I'm gonna close with one more verse here from Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Another one of my favorite anxious verses. He says this, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is the same as casting it onto him. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the way I want us to finish today is is a little different. Um, I would like to pray for you and over you as a church, and specifically if there's anybody here today that feels like this is what I needed to hear. you, You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that. If you'd like to, feel free, and I will pray specifically for you. But what I want to do is I want to just pray that the the truth of this would really go into our hearts. Sometimes we hear a message like this, and it kind of hits our heads. It's like, okay, yeah, I understand I should have faith, and uh, but I'm so, you know, it's hard for me to hear those things or process those things. Um, there's a whole nother level of of absorbing the word of God when the word of God doesn't just hit your head, but it actually hits your heart. It moves into your soul. It actually hits you at a different level. And that's what I want to pray for here today. I want to pray for those of you specifically who may have struggled with anxiety and worry. And according to the, the, uh, the stats that we looked at, one third of you <laughs> may at some point in your life struggle with this if you haven't already. So I'd like to pray for you and pray that God would, would move among us right now. And then we're going to have some time to respond in worship. And um, your kids are taken care of. And we've got some time and we've got some space. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a couple songs of worship. And uh, a time for, for me to pray for you right now. And I want to encourage you to, to put some of this message into action. If you're at a spot in your life where you're like, I'm worried about these things. I've been struggling with this. Let's ask the Lord to do some work in your heart. That's why we gather together to worship. We ask him to change us and transform us. The real God who's really here. The real God who created this heaven and earth. This God who has a plan for you, who loves you, who cares for you, wants to work in your hearts. All right, so go ahead, James. You can start playing and I'd like to just pray for you right now. Father, this morning I, I just want to bring the people of South Point to your feet. All of us, God, I want to ask that you would hear me as I pray on their behalf, as I intercede for them in regards to this area of anxiety and worry. And God, I know how hard that struggle is and the dark place that that can take us and and you know that I know that Lord because you walked me through it and Lord what I want to pray today for our church is I want to pray for any of my brothers or sisters here today that have struggled in this way and God I want to ask that right now that by your Holy Spirit as you move through this room as we draw close to you and draw near to you with our hearts, Lord, that you would begin through your Holy Spirit to comfort and to touch and to heal each one of us. Lord, I pray that you would bring a peace and a calm to the hearts of every one of us. Lord, we are people 
that are your children. People that because of Jesus have access to your throne, that we can walk right in to the holiest place to stand before the God of the universe and ask for you to work on our behalf. And Lord, that's what I'm asking for this morning. I'm asking that you would do a powerful work in people's hearts, that you would bring healing and wholeness, that you would bring refreshment and rest. Lord, that you would remove anxieties, that you would remove fears, that you would teach us how to cast those things onto you, even if we don't know how. We cannot carry the stresses and worries and concerns of this life and expect to get away freely. We can't. It kills us. It buries us. But you can. You are the Almighty. And Lord, we want to humble ourselves under your mighty hand this morning and allow you to work in ways that only 